Hello there. <laughs> I forgot to turn on the radio. Well, good for me. I'm so sorry about that. If you were listening, you were listening to nothing. I'm actually kind of sad about that because I was doing some nice things here. Good thing I checked my phone. Um, I'm so sorry. You're listening to 107.5 RTV Maastricht. This is Student Radio Maastricht, where we do things and we make little mistakes. I'm gonna play a song for you, and then I'm gonna see what happens. Okay, bye bye bye. You're listening to 107.5 RTV. This is Student Radio Maastricht, where I just did a bunch of stuff and you didn't hear it because I didn't turn on the radio. Congratulations. <laughs> this is my first time back after a long adventure back to the homeland across the um, Atlantic Ocean. I was in the country called Canada, which means big village in an indigenous language and ironically we call Maastricht here the city village and the way my brain happens to work is that it's always drawing ties between everything and anything. Now first I found myself on the island of Newfoundland which is at the easternmost point of that part of the world and the thing about that place is that it's known for being a big old rock that you can't really dig into because of that, there was a terrible thing that recently happened. Um, you might have heard in Puerto Rico this hurricane Fiona that caused a lot of destruction and dear old Fiona caused a heck of a lot of destruction all the way up the coast there and a lot of people's houses were completely, completely lifted up off the earth and tumbled around like they were made of match sticks or something. 
And because of that, and many other things, I was reading to you a story, a short story called The Storm by a writer called Khalil Gibran. He's uh, from a small mountain village, not a city village, called Bishara in North Lebanon, and he was writing at the turn of the 20th century. And I like his work because it kind of is related to my own experience as part of many parts of this earth. And I was reading it, The Storm because the storm that affected my family was on my mind. And also, I work as a bike courier, like many other people, <laughs> many other humans in this city do some work delivering food. I happen to work delivering prescriptions from the pharmacy. If you would like to do that, you should totally try it. We actually need people. It's on uh, Vlugel's Fitz Couriers, and you can make some decent money doing that, as I'm beginning to learn. So if you're interested in that, go look it up. But I'm going to keep reading now. But I won't keep reading the short story because I was at the very, very end on the last of the four parts. And I'm just going to read some short prose poems that are written here in this book that I have with me. So Khalil Gibran's work was written originally in Arabic and what I'm reading from is a translation from Penguin Arcana that's supposed to be a bit better than some of the other translations I've read and I can't attest to that in any means but just so you know that is what I'm reading and his work he's most commonly known for his most famous work is called the prophet and it became really popular in the 1970s kind of new age thing and it's a very optimistic book however more of his early work is a lot darker and what is really interesting about Khalil Gibran that I relate to as a western person with mixed blood is that he was raised in Lebanon and then left to go to Boston and New York City and then later in his life he would bounce back and forth between uh, the two sides of this earth and what was happening so this is around the 1890s and what was happening around then in the U.S. in um, literature is it was called the transcendentalist movement and it was kind of the first time the West started looking at the whole Buddhism thing and you know that whole story and so what that was doing there's a writer who's really famous called Walt Whitman and he wrote a whole piece called Song of Myself and it's kind of a call back to nature a call to embodiment but it's when they, they start talking about consciousness and um, the moments of the soul and all those things and to live what was kind of the thing in the short story I was reading is that there's this hermit which is still a thing to this day in the mountains of Lebanon um, and this guy got lost in a storm and the hermit took him in so we started asking him about why he retreated from the world and what we ultimately end up learning is that he did not retreat in order to praise God and eat only bread and to suffer but actually he retreated so that he could enjoy more the precious moments of wakefulness that can be present when you are not poisoned or distracted by the toxic fruits of society. Yes, we do live in a society. Now, I have 
I, I am someone who likes to take hermitage. Many of my friends know this. And I've also encountered many different ideas about that. Some people think it is... Um, it's great. Some people think it's selfish. Some people think, as well as myself, that it's a privilege to be able to, to retreat from life. If you think of like the hippie movement in the 1970s that was really influenced by this earlier movement in the 1890s, they would try to retreat and create communes. But we all know that the hippie movement was a generally representative of a middle class, generally white and highly educated class of people. So the ability to retreat is not something that's welcome to everybody. However, just the prospect of using the wakefulness of the soul, those moments where everything um, that you only know if you've felt it, when everything comes together, uh, that moment is retreat in and of itself. So. For some final moments here, I'm going to read for you The Soul and then The Poet, and they're both by Khalil Gibran. And yes, so his earlier work is a lot darker than the later work, but I'm going to read The Soul, and this one is actually quite um, uplifting, I guess. And then I'll go dark. How's that? Okay. The Soul. The great God separated a soul from his own essence and fashioned beauty within her. He gave her the mildness of the evening breezes, the fragrance of wild flowers, the gentleness of moonlight. He gave her a cup of happiness and said, drink of it only if you forget the past and are heedless of the future. He gave her a cup of sorrow and said, drink of it and apprehend the essence of life's joy. He scattered within her a love that will desert her at the first sigh of fulfillment and a sweetness that will desert her at the first word of pride. From heaven he sent down knowledge upon her to guide her on the paths of truth. Deep within her he placed discernment to see what cannot be seen. In her he created a yearning that flows with dreams and runs with spirits. She was clothed with a robe of longing woven by angels from rainbow threads. Then was placed within her the darkness of bewilderment, the image of the light. Then the great God took fire from anger's force and a wind from the desert of ignorance, sand from the shores of the sea of arrogance, and dust with the footprints of the ages. With these, he molded man. He gave him a blind power that blazes up in madness and is dampened by lusts. He placed life in him, which is the image of death. The great God smiled and wept, looking with love boundless and eternal and wedded man and his soul. So that was... The Soul by Khalil Gibran. It's a translation, which is why I started messing with the genders halfway through, because we do that here, or at least I do that here. I think we do that here. And here we see kind of more microscopically, or in a shorter form, what the story I was reading that got cut off um, by my own self uh, gets at. It's just that the soul part of things 
is close to what we imagine divinity to be and all the other stuff arrogance history ignorance is also a big part of us and they are they are put together in wedlock there that you can't separate those two things actually one of my favorite uh little quotes that I can pull off the top of my head from Khalil Gibran from his famous work, The Prophet, is um, the depth at which sorrow carves into your being is how much joy you can hold. And so this is something that I often tell myself <laughs> as I'm uh, going through phases of life, but it also is very indicative of the whole movement that I was mentioning earlier, the transcendentalist movement, where they were starting to look for the first time, um, influenced, of course, by Buddhist text, but also their own musings on consciousness and why everyone is suffering all the time, but it's really beautiful thing to have this life and the earth is so full of wonder and amazingness. And that's also part of the short story is how nature is by definition full of the life of the soul that we try to get to but what I would raise as a little because it's not 1890 it's 2022 we have learned a lot and the separation of human from nature of course is harmful but that's also what's happening in these texts and so while I read them and I take a lot of um, inspiration from just the way uh, wakefulness is described or suffering is described, we now know that you can't actually separate these things. And he even addresses that by saying they're wedded in themselves, but he's always kind of holding these two things in opposition to each other when by definition they belong to one another, that human and nature are never separate and that's why the idea of oh we are evil and bad and we are righteous and good will never will never be able to be solved just because nature is neither of those things it's life is death as he said at the end of that and i'm sorry if this is kind of heady for a wednesday evening but you know why not <laughs> okay, here's another one for you. The poet. I am a stranger in this world. I am a stranger. In my exile, there is a grim isolation and a painful loneliness. Yet it makes me ever think of a magical homeland that I do not know. Exile peoples my dreams with phantoms of a distant land that my eyes have not seen. I am a stranger to my family and to my friends. Should I meet one of them, I say in my soul, Who is that? How do I know him? What law is it that links me with him? How am I related to them, and why do I associate with them? I am a stranger to my soul. When I hear my tongue speak, my ear is startled by my voice, and I see my hidden essence laughing and crying fearless and terrified. My being is astonished at my being, and my spirit seeks the meaning of my spirit. 
but I, I remain hidden, concealed, hedged about with mists, cloaked in silence. I am a stranger to my body. When I stop before a mirror, I see features that I do not know. I see in my eyes what is hidden nowhere in my depths. I walk the streets of the city and the boys follow me, jeering. He is blind. Let us give him a cane to lean upon. In haste, I flee from them, only to meet a swarm of girls clinging to my clothes and shouting, He is as deaf as the stones. Let us fill his ears with songs of flirtation and love. I run to escape them and meet a group of young men. They stand around me and say, he is mute like the tomb, let us untangle his knotted tongue. So, in fear, I leave them and counter a party of old men pointing at me with trembling fingers. He is mad. His reason was destroyed in the land of genies and ghouls. I am a stranger in this world. I am a stranger wandering the east of the world and the west. I have found nowhere to lay my head, nor have I met one who recognized me or would listen to me. When I wake in the morning, I find myself a prisoner in a dark cave, vipers hanging from its roof and vermin scuttling in its corners. When I go out to the light, the image of my body follows me, and the imaginings of my soul go before me, leading me, I do not know where, calling me to that which I comprehend not, clinging to things of which I have no need. When evening comes, I lie down upon my mat of ostrich feather and thorns. Strange thoughts obsess me and desires, disquieting, then delightful, painful, then pleasant. At midnight, phantoms of ages past, spirits of forgotten nations, come to me from the crevasses of the cave. I stare at them, and they stare at me. I speak to them, seeking to understand, and they answer, smiling. I try to seize them, but they vanish like smoke in the wind. I am a stranger in this world. I am a stranger, and no one in the world of being knows a single word of the language of my soul. I wander in the empty wilderness and see the brooks bubbling up and leaping from the depths of the valley to the mountain peak. I see the bare trees burst into leaf, flower, bear fruit, and shed their leaves all in a single moment. Then their branches fall down and decay to become like wiggling speckled snakes. I see the birds soaring upwards and descending, trilling and shrieking. They land, open their wings, metamorphosed into naked women, their hair unbound, their heads held high, looking at me with love from behind eyelids painted with coal, smiling at me with lips like honeyed roses, reaching to me with soft fair hands scented with myrrh and frankincense. Then they shudder and hide themselves from my gaze, disappearing like mist, leaving their laughter echoing in the air to mock and scorn me. I am a stranger in this world. I am a poet. I write in verse life's prose and in prose life's verse. Thus, I am a stranger and will remain a stranger until death snatches me away and carries me to my homeland. So that was <laughs> the poet. Definitely quite... <laughs> I don't know what the word is easily predictable poetic shit but I mean there's always something in there that's that's the thing you know there's a lot of art that 
is super uh, obviously or seriously but when someone addresses something obvious clearly enough it still resonates of course I have to reiterate that this this was written at the turn of the 20th century and so because of that it's never gonna sound but that that could have been written in someone's tumblr post you know what I mean (laughs) and that's why I like it I think uh, Kilo Gibran is like the OG displaced emo. And <laughs> so everything I've been talking about in these few moments uh, that I've had here, you see he goes, I'm a stranger to my family, friends, blah, blah, blah. And then the s- stranger to the the world with the East and the West, and I don't know where to put myself. And then stranger finds home in nature and home in poet and he's always playing with these um oppositions that and trying to make them one i the whole binary thing is because our brain can easily understand things in opposition but that's the easy way (laughs) and actually it makes things a lot harder because nature is not actually easy oppositions of itself you know night and day are not a switch you turn on it's a fading cross fading one into the other have you ever seen the moon while the sun is still up yes you have so he 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 kind of starts this path that we have been on um as (laughs) we have for all of time you know and with those thoughts to myself wow there's a horse on the autoplay interesting sorry for that oh it's Beyonce (laughs) Beyonce on a horse is on our little screen here and I didn't know that that was even possible but maybe she would agree maybe she wouldn't I don't want to put words in Beyonce's mouth but you know so with this I just wanted to bring some thoughts about hermiting and uh but also connecting and the uh in in and out and out and in any outy what's your belly button like um <laughs> thing of it all as we're coming into winter time I always especially as someone from land that experiences a much more dramatic winter than here I always find it important to embrace what winter offers which is the darkness which is the um the retreat the cave the hibernation the rest the reflection the reaping and substance off of what we set up for ourselves earlier in the year in the seasons and meow not bad huh i of course i also just very briefly darkness and light are not again day and night are not oppositions of each other they're just different degrees of how the earth is turning and that's literally what winter is and another one of my favorite transcendentalist writers is herman melville who wrote moby dick and i'm not gonna go into that in the next minute i have because I don't even think you would even care but what he does in that book is an inversion of this classical like light is good and dark is bad thing and to me that is the what I call pan American experience of just being a person from everywhere and nowhere (laughs) 
And so with those thoughts, as you listen to English radio in Maastricht, as you listen to a Anglo-Franco-bilingual Montrealer, Newfoundland, Lebanese human with no idea <laughs> how to be a person, but some of them. And we are all joined through this Maastricht place. Godspeed and have a great day. This has been a brief moment of 107.5 FM RTV Maastricht. If you like it, tune in every Wednesday. We've got some goodies for you and in sound and space. <laughs>